This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, and we are trudging right along into December. This one's going to release on December the 1st, so the season's moving right along. And uh, remind you that if you want to win a Bear Execute 30 fully rigged with trophy ridge accessories, all you got to do is buy a Louisiana Bowhunter hat online. Each hat purchase gets you an entry into the drawing. We'll do that drawing on December 16th, so every hat purchased online up through the 15th of December gets you entered into that. Would be a great Christmas present for yourself or to give someone on your Christmas list. The Execute 30 is Bear's flagship bow for this year. I've been shooting the bow. My son's now shooting the bow because I uh, started shooting a different Bear bow mid-season. But I love it. It's been a great shooting bow. And uh, it's a great prize package. So fill up everybody on your Christmas list stockings with Louisiana bow her hats. And I get entered to win a new, brand-new bow from Bear, fully rigged out, Trophy Ridge. So, uh, Levi and Colin are here, and uh, we have a returning guest on the podcast. I'll introduce them in just a minute. But <laughs> I, I was while the intro was playing, I was trying to put a dip in my mouth, and I actually thought of a funny story that I was going to start this off with. It literally just happened to me today, and I almost didn't get my dip in my mouth. I don't know if y'all could see that on the camera, but I started laughing to myself while I was trying to put my dip in my mouth. So I go get my hair cut today. You can see I have no hair now. Um, not that I had much to begin with. But, never. Uh, never Colin's going to film me this weekend some, and so I had to get my beard trimmed and my head shaved, so I look, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I go into the Just For Him 
man's haircut wow. place. Yeah. Okay. So there's a girl. The barber shop? Did you go to the barber shop? No, That's went, not a barber shop. No, I went for the just for him men's haircut salon or whatever the hell they call it. That's well, like in Walmart, right? No, it's like it's it's in it's they have them everywhere, but it's in it's over there by the Zachary Youth Park, and it's like a you know they got like sports on TV. It's like one of those kind of mm. places. It's like sport clips, but a different franchise. So there's this, there's a girl sitting at the front desk when I walk in to check in, and she's wearing a Louisiana bow on her hat. It's one of the stylists. There's three stylists working, and she's sitting there and she's checking me in, and I I didn't. You know, I didn't say anything at first, and she got done checking me in, and um, I asked her, I said, uh, where'd you get your hat? And she goes, uh, something about, I don't know how, she's something about, somebody gave it to me, or, you know, something like that. She said, I, I didn't actually buy it, somebody gave it to me. And then another uh, lady, stylist, comes from the back. And she comes around, she goes, oh, I gave her that hat. I got it at Southern Outfitters and Zachary and blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I go there a lot, so I use the same lady, and she wasn't involved in the conversation. So as I'm walking over to her chair, I was like, okay, well, that's cool. I was like, well, I'm one of the owners of the company. I just like to ask people where they got our gear when they, when you know, whenever I see somebody wearing it. And, um, yeah, it's like, I appreciate you wearing our hat or whatever. And the lady that gave her the hat goes, you're not the owner of Louisiana Bowhunter. He's that dark-skinned boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, she, she was like, "Do you buy it from him or something?" And I was like, "Well," <laughs> I said, "I think you're talking about Kyler." And yeah, I've I've been. Uh, Kyler was one of my partners, and you know, he's we we uh, changed ownership around and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just thought it was funny, so I immediately text Kyler, and he got a kick out of it too. So I'm sure he did. Um. So anyway. Um, December the 1st, hope y'all had a good Thanksgiving. It, do you got any, you got anything, either one of you two have anything to, to share on an update? Have you shot a deer with a fire in the whole broadhead yet, Levi? <laughs> no. No, that's probably not going to happen this year. <laughs> not this year? Well, no. Have you done, like, so is there any, is there any update or y'all just going to sit there and make me? I'll, well, go ahead, Levi. I don't have much of one, but. You've actually been hunting. Well, I, I decided I was going to shoot a doe this weekend, and I, w I had one walk up at about 8.30 Saturday morning. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be easy. She's 14 yards, and I shot and hit a damn limb <laughs> and cut her back at 14 freaking yards. I could have spit on her, and I freaking missed her. Well, I just I took after Locke, I guess, because he's real good at that. I didn't hit a damn limb. <laughs> I didn't hit a limb. I just missed. Well, you, well I hit a limb. So, so I wouldn't have hit a limb. So I did have uh, two for sure, maybe three shooters showing up to a nut all tree um, for the past probably week and a half, and the wind looks like it's finally going to swap in my favor and they have disappeared all of a sudden so of course it's funny how that. that works yeah of course um colin any updates from you this uh like i made an official segment of the podcast i don't know why i'm going this route but i just what popped in my mind so no i made uh i made one hunt last week i saw like seven or eight but uh really my only update is that 
I'm starting to see uh, quite a few scrapes pop up, and I've put a couple cameras out, and so it's. Uh, I mean, rut for me is usually around like the first of the year, so I mean, you know, we're about a month away, but stuff's starting to pop up. I found a few scrapes myself uh, yesterday, and um, my son claims he saw an eight point chasing a doe. Uh, today's Thursday, I guess Sunday or Monday afternoon. And I wouldn't have, or I, I wouldn't have, I wasn't sure what to make of it. I mean, he's 14 and he's killed five or six bucks and three with a bow. And I mean, I know he knows, but you know, I mean, I don't really expect to see that kind of activity. But then a friend of mine that hunts on the same property with me, he hunted in the same area and said he heard a deer chasing a doe behind him the next day and couldn't you know didn't see it and couldn't see it but he could hear it so i don't know but in east feliciana parish there's always like this flurry of rut activity between thanksgiving and the first week of december and then it sends it tends to kind of go up and down up and down all the way through the season from there like it'll it'll just seem like it's gone and then it'll come back for a week and i don't I, it's it's really hard to predict and and all but that that is happening, and I I mentioned the uh, so I want to give our podcast our little our little nothing podcast here a little bit of props. We we had if if people that have been listening to our podcast for a long time, we had a a gentleman on the podcast named John Lusk, the guy who does all the broadhead tests, and he posts all those mm-hmm. videos on our community page, and he does really unbiased broadhead testing of every different kind of broadhead and he has his own little method in the which way he does he does a really good job it's really interesting and you may agree or disagree with some of what he does but he's pretty thorough and he provides a lot of interesting content so we had him on the podcast i guess it's been two years ago not last podcast season but the one before kyler and i had him on we just kind of identified him because we were seeing all of his stuff and we're like you know had a really good podcast with him well he got some mentions on the rogan podcast with Cameron Haynes. So I would just like to say that we were the first. We beat Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's fair, right? Do. We beat Joe yeah. Rogan. Yeah. So I mentioned the fire in the hole. I actually am trying to get him to do a test on the fire and hole because I want to see how it compares to some of his other tests. And I'm going to try to get him back on the podcast because everybody wants to talk about broadheads and the guy does some really cool stuff. So hopefully we'll get that content to you. But for today... Returning to the podcast, we have Thomas and Warren from Meat Chasers. They have been very requested since, how long ago, guys, has it been since we did the Naked in Kansas podcast? Oh, time. Yeah. That's, uh, you got the wrong guys there. Three years? <laughs> Some amount of time. A year, maybe? A year, possibly two. I think it's been, that's a good range. I think I think it was two years because that was one hundred percent my favorite podcast. Oh, the last one when we went to Oklahoma oh, yeah. and accidentally trespassed on the uh... yeah. So we did we did two years in a row. You did one about a minivan were... or something, didn't you? We did Naked in Kansas where we talked about you going on Naked and Afraid, and then yeah, I think and then the... we did another one the following year. I think it was we were, it was in the car actually yeah. on our way back from had, the Kansas we had tagged and Oklahoma out. trip. Yeah, yeah, we had tagged out in Kansas and we were in the parking lot of a piece of public in Oklahoma that turned out we weren't allowed to hunt, but we hunted it that morning, and we did we recorded the podcast in that parking lot. 
Yeah. So that was that was was that last year or the year before? I think it was, was three. Year, three. I think it was two, two or yeah, at least two. Okay. So it's been a while. Did y'all hunt some kind of wildlife sanctuary or something? No. So <laughs> we'll just go ahead and we'll just go ahead and tell it. So we were driving in the middle of the night on the way back from Kansas. We tagged out and we're and we had like maybe two days. And I was like, well, I'm dumb. I'll buy an Oklahoma tag on the way we're driving through it, you know. And so I buy a tag. And we pull into the state park in the middle of the night, and you know we're tired. I think we did that podcast, and we go to sleep. We're like, oh, this place looks sweet. Like we kind of, I particularly like hunting around like places where there's hikers and stuff like that. I've had good luck doing that. So I'm like, this is gonna be, this is gonna be awesome. So I go in like an hour before daylight. (laughs) Warren, (laughs) so I sneak in this place. It takes me like an hour. And like it's the sun's starting to come up, and I'm getting set up. There's rubs everywhere. I'm like, dude, we're about to kill another buck. And Warren texts me. He's like, dude, you cannot hunt in there. I'm like, oh shit. So I immediately start like try, sneak my way out. And you he went into a neighborhood to get out. Yeah, I went through a neighborhood, got out, <laughs> picked me up, like uh, whatever. It's like in front of somebody's house, yeah, basically. Like so, a tuck and roll deal. Like we, we so I was in there house. for maybe like 20 minutes, like of actual daylight. But obviously, immediately we left when it he it starts getting daylight, and he's seeing signs like everywhere. That's like you cannot. Hunt. And I'm like, so he calls them like, oh shit we got to get out of here. So we made it out alive and we were like, all right, maybe we just go- drive home now and <laughs> cut our losses, get out of here. What part of so Oklahoma what was this? this you don't, you was don't like, have to completely incriminate yourself, but you no, I'm, I'm not gonna, but it was like, it, it was like North central. It was like, if you're coming back through the main, the, the main highway coming from Kansas and like central Oklahoma, uh, oh. you know, on the Northern side, one of them. Gotcha. It was like a little lake, little uh, you know, state park lake. Which a lot of those, a lot of those in different states, you can hunt and they're awesome. So we always look at those. Well, a lot of those in Oklahoma, you can because we have a property up in kind of it's it's not really the northeast corner, but it's more eastern than central, and it's right mm-hmm. next to a couple of of big reservoirs type lakes that have. Yeah, that's what it was. And it, it might have been a date range thing because a lot of those they just have more you know, detailed, you just got to look at all that stuff. It can it was definitely draw. get hard. It was uh, a draw only situation. Yeah. It was something either that or a date range mm-hmm. thing. Whereas like the date rangers, we were there. It was an issue, but I got you. Uh, yeah, we got out as quick as we could. Well, since, <laughs> since breaking the law in Oklahoma, what else have you been up to? <laughs> oh shoot. Definitely not breaking the law anywhere else. That's for sure. Yeah. For sure. But uh, no, really we just break, got back from, uh, you didn't really break the law. I mean, you, you, you did you, you didn't, I mean, technically, did you ever really? There hunt? was about twelve minutes there where I was hunting and definitely was not supposed to be. Thank God I didn't see anything, and I didn't know. But we did get it. We got it resolved there. But uh, we just got back from Kansas, which was awesome, as always. Uh, and we we did a uh, we did an Oklahoma hunt earlier in the season, which was Kentucky. Kentucky, that's right. Uh, which was also great. We didn't kill anything, but it was just kind of we were on deer, so it was fun, you know most of the days we were on deer uh we haven't hunted a lot locally just kind of been busy i just finished building the house and all that but, well now uh, it's the uh november lull in the south so like we're oh, yeah. getting all of our gun hunting done with the boys and the girls yeah, we're, oh yeah we're i killed our, a doe a week ago with my two little daughters so that was we've been taking cool. the kids hunting until uh, things start heating up yeah gotcha so are y'all yeah so y'all have you 
had any issues drawing a Kansas tag? Because I know it's getting harder everywhere. I wonder. I know y'all do it every year. No. We've drawn every year except one. I think it's six, I believe. No, I think it's seven now, 2016. So we're six of seven. Do y'all but do we're not for a group? So what we do, yeah, we, we've done a group every time, and that group ranges from two to this year we had five of us. Buzzard Roost Saddles made right here in the great state of Louisiana should be on every Louisiana bow hunter's list as a must-have in their hunting arsenal. Buzzard Roost Saddles achieves comfort through adjustability for those long day sets during the rut and also provides the maneuverability to get up and move when you see the need. Buzzard Roost Saddles was created with the need to lighten the Piro as well as the backpack to go deeper than everyone else. Louisiana bow hunters are a mixed bag and Buzzard Roost Saddles is the tool to fit any job. Whether it's public land, private land, hardwoods, pines, or even the bottomless swamps, Buzzard Roost Saddles has what you need to stay mobile. Purposefully built and designed for every hunting scenario, the Persist is packed with more features than any bare bow before. Stealthy and silent help define the mission behind the design of this bow. In-riser dampeners and killer wave limb dampeners eliminate vibration, while all new silent shelf technology provides security against air and arrow contact with your riser. New integrated loops have been added into the limb pockets, allowing for quick and secure connection of a pull-up rope, as well as machined-in quick disconnect attachment points for your favorite QD shoulder sling. The Persist dresses up as sleek as possible with Picatinny mounts for your sight and the integrated mounting system for your arrow rest. At Bear Archery, we persist on building the finest bows available. And this is our finest yet. But we, uh, we're always sitting on the, on the computer at 11.59 a.m. hitting refresh, which I don't know if that matters or not. But the other thing is we're not drawn in units that we're right. not like going to the most popular units. I think that's probably the thing that actually makes yeah. it. Y'all go out further west, don't y'all? Y'all go out further west, don't y'all? We have like the last three years, but this year we went back to uh, like north central, northeast, which we haven't been there in three or four years. We'll, we'll probably start going back out west because we ran into a good yeah, bit of pressure. Yeah, this year we, uh, we kind of learned about the Michigan hunter factor. So you if you're drawing in Kansas, just check your proximity to Michigan. Mm. We walked up on I, I walked up on more hunters than I saw a shooter bucks. Are they worse yeah, than well, Louisiana dudes in Mississippi? No, no, no not, not even, even close. Not but, even the same. You know, this is relative. <laughs> not even the same ballpark. But there are local there are local hunters in like eastern Kansas because you're closer yeah. to some of the bigger cities. Whereas like western Kansas, the locals don't. I mean, it, it, Eastern Kansas a little bit too, but Western Kansas they don't yeah. give a shit about deer. Yeah, we're going back to seeing nobody next. Yeah, year, and you're in Western Kansas, like you go through a town and it's like a little gas station with one pump and like seven houses. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> you know, and it's that like every thirty miles. Have you hunted Unit Six? No, no um, we haven't really hunted Central Kansas at all. We've hunted probably 10 different units at least. We've but hunted like, everything on the north line. The north border, the western border, and we haven't really hunted south or central. <laughs> and, and there's not a, there's not as much public land in that area, which, you know, is, you could go there and find a honey hole with 
10 bucks on a hundred acre piece for sure. But obviously if you're, you know, you know, you're going to be hunting only public land. You want some yeah, options. The, the reason that we, that we haven't hit that area is we'd look for, um, on the, the walk-in properties where there are big groups of them really close together. Cause during the rut, we don't really hunt mornings. We drive mornings and look for, we went too early this year, but we looked for lockdown, lockdown bucks. It's kind of like what we're yeah. shooting for. And then we scare them away. It's awesome. Yeah. So scare them all the way except one. <laughs> you just triangulate them. We just triangulate them, and then we go, "Hey, whoa!" <laughs> scare. <laughs> Pretty much, we we scare a lot of bucks away. Sometimes right. we don't though. Every now and then we don't scare them. Have y'all seen a um? Just over the years, and I know you're kind of bouncing a little bit geographically in the state, but just generally speaking, how much change from year to year do you see in rut dates and what do you think drives the rut dates in the midwest you know based on your experience what is it weather i mean what all of our rut experience except for five days of uh, four years ago and then this is later in november um and i i don't i haven't seen variation yeah, I, really I just think consistent. it's better later but we're looking for the lockdown like we're not we don't yeah. we're not trying to hunt cruisers right like we ain't we ain't into old Tom Cruise, you know what I'm saying? We're mm -hmm. we're hunting. We want deer that are sitting still with a doe, breeding that doe, and they're going to be there all day within, you know, a five acre so area. You should change your name to Cockblock then instead of Meat Chicken. <laughs> exactly. That is. That's it. That's exactly right. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> so, that so, was it. Was actually down to those two whenever we. <laughs> 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 that's good stuff so y'all both tagged out in kansas this year i didn't shoot one i passed a uh i passed my first drop time buck yeah I, I killed one and then uh we have a buddy that's uh killed his first uh that was his first bow buck bow anything first right? bow deer yes yeah. uh so he killed one so we Two of five, and then, you know, everybody saw shooters, had encounters. Dad uh, missed one with his crossbow. Oh, yeah, my dad missed one, but it was just, you know, bow hunting. We, we were on deer good um, and, uh, you know, had a good time. But uh, I think we were, we were uh, in the time of the rut where we should have been hunting scrapes. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was chasing. So, like, yeah. We were trying to. You got to sit when it's like that, and we're not yeah. good at, yeah. especially me. Like I, if I don't know there's a shooter buck in there, it is very hard for me to sit still for more than like twenty seven minutes. Which is not. I'm not saying that's how you should hunt, but that's just me. Um, so that was kind of the deal. I, we, but we still we found some lockdown deer. Like me and Warren rode one morning after I'd killed my deer. We got on a big deer, and. uh got a game plan and got in well inside of a hundred yards, had an opportunity, but we just screwed it up totally and ended up getting it. smelled. Yeah. But, uh, so we still had our opportunities. Um, I found another lockdown deer after I killed mine. I didn't have it. Obviously I ended up looping around to keep an eye on him cause he was in a wooded area and he ended up walking straight towards me and bedding at like 30 yards. So I couldn't move, but they were like an hour and a half away hunting. So I'm like, the wind's going to eventually, and he's going to spook. So I got to get, try to get out of here. They're not going to be here anytime soon. And he ended up busting when I was trying to crawl out of there. But, 
so we still saw like we still got opportunities um to hunt lockdown deer but it was it was not many the deer i killed was not doing you know he was pushing bucks and scraping and pushing does and those and does around uh you know it was not a lockdown deal it's pretty interesting because most people like they hate the lockdown but i guess the way y'all kind of the style that y'all kind of do is like you want them locked down because then you then you have all the time in the world you don't have mm-hmm. to rush so that's pretty exactly and that's the hardest part is not rushing yeah you will kill them <laughs> if you can force yourself to take your time yeah that's just but that's like i mean you got to know you got to have confidence and being able to we may be like i talk to some of my friends about it sometimes and i feel that i'm sounding dumb because they're not under like you you obviously have to have some skill in slipping in on animals and i mean we we've just done that our whole lives hog hunting during the summer and that's just what like that's just what i love to do so i'm not saying like go do this if you i mean i get some practice but like yeah you can't just go run in there obviously and but, don't do it here uh, yeah don't try it here never obviously <laughs> when it's but when you're in open country and you know you'll get a sighting it's worth committing to that technique the deer sure. here are so much smarter it's, yeah. it's not the same yeah not the same animal at all yeah do you so all right so devil's advocate to that which i first of all i completely agree with you and i think and even though I don't really hunt that way, I, I've hunted enough in the Midwest that I, you know, the deer up there are far less uh, spooky, if for a word to use. But do you consider the fact that the time of the time in which you're hunting these deer, they are so, you know, when they get to that point where they're locked down with a doe, they're so, you know, focused on Tunnel that. vision. Yeah, I mean, do, does that play some some more role into it as well? You think? It, it does partially, but still a deer in the same state of mind uh, at just name any piece of public in Louisiana is still, he will still and, and bust. Yeah. Whereas you don't, you don't have the leeway. You can't get away with half. Yeah. Deer. But, but like there in the Midwest and more unpressured deer, definitely. Like if you don't spook the doe, you're pretty much good. I mean, it's like, is that what normally will bust you the dough? I don't, yeah, I don't want to say it's hard to push the buck off, but like the buck will tolerate a lot of like, Hey, I think I just saw something. Maybe you just wait. Yeah. Um, The dough dough, dough run. The does are almost more, they're almost more alert when they're in that situation. Cause they got satellite bucks coming in and they don't necessarily, when they're like ready to breathe, they don't necessarily want to be screwed with. So like, yeah, you got to pay attention to that dough. Like the stalk we did with Warren, the buck, they were probably, we spotted them from the road, drove past, hopped out, ran around, got to where we got our eyes on them again. They're probably 300 up on a ridge. The bucks went over and they went down in this draw and they were just right there, obviously. But that doe, she stayed up on that point for like, we're waiting for her to go over this, you know, to go over the crest so we can run up there. We were on a hill. And she would, I mean, she was like, they're the guard. I mean, it's, so yeah, I mean, you definitely, that's your worry. You're not so much worried about the buck in that situation. He's not going to leave that doe. I mean, he might, if you really screwed him up, he might try to push her off. But as long as you don't spook the doe, you're pretty good. So I have a question for you then about a recent experience that I had. 
in in northern Oklahoma, our property's 10 miles from Kansas, so a little bit more south of what you're hunting, and obviously different terrain in that we have a lot more woods. But I guess a week ago, I was on our property hunting with my son, and it was our last evening, and we moved a stand around and got on the the proper wind side of a food plot. And I had a lot of pictures of bucks cruising that plot and chasing does in that plot. That was the whole reason. So we we sat there, and, you know, point me saying that was we were absolutely perfect wind-wise. It was one of those Midwestern kind of days where a front was moving and the wind was absolutely one direction all afternoon. Like, there was no swirl. There was no change. It was directly in our face the whole time. And about 30 minutes before dark, we have a doe pop up on the edge of the plot about 50 yards from us, and she came out and fed in the plot for a minute. And she was unnaturally cautious. And she was all by herself, and she was a big doe. I mean, it wasn't a, a little doe that was by herself, you know, with her mom off. It was a big doe. And I couldn't help but wonder to myself, I, if does she have a buck with her, and he's just in the woods, and we can't see him? You know, because she, I've never, I've never had a deer act the way she did that hadn't seen or smelled something. And she acted that way from the minute we saw her in the, you know, she was 10 yards in the woods coming into the plot. All the, the whole, she stayed out there probably 10 minutes feeding before she finally, for no reason, she never looked at us. The wind never swirled. She never even acted like she smelled anything. She finally just put her tail up and turned around and ran back in the woods the way she came from. Like, it was crazy. Was this like the time was this the time of year when bucks were like pushing does like almost the rut or the rut? Well, like this was breeding? this was a week ago, and 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 this is our first year on that property, so we're struggling to really figure out the rut phases. But I would say there's a really good chance she she could have been ready to breed. I mean, that's been going Man, on. They're, when they're like with a buck and they're with that buck and he's breeding her. I'm not saying you're seeing them breed, but like they're yeah. hanging out together. They're they're usually the doe's usually pretty chill if she doesn't smell a human. But if she's like about to go in heat but not in heat, I mean those the the big smart bucks know. And like that's how I ended up killing my buck this year. But like they'll they know the does and when they go in heat. So if she's a day or two from going into heat, they're harassing the shit out of her. So like hundred percent there could be a buck in the timber that and, and that's got them on edge but i mean they're smart it's hard to say that any little thing can set them off but yeah before when they're in heat and they're breeding they're usually pretty calm if you don't spook them like the doe is especially with a mature buck like she's content she's ready to breed that's the buck that's going to breed her you're assuming he's fought off the satellite bucks they're really chilling as long as you don't give them a reason to you know yeah be freaking out well, I, it was an, it's an interesting encounter, and I couldn't help but wonder. Like, there was something, you know, I, felt, I walked away from it going, there's something going on here. Because we'd been sitting. I mean, to me, uh, if, if she was about to go in heat and she'd been getting her ass for the last day or two, that makes a lot of sense. If, to I, had to, if I had to guess, I would think she probably, if it's on, like, a major food source, she's probably bedded really close and had some idea from y'all moving the stand, probably. Yeah, that's what I would think, and then having the wind perfectly wrong for her would make her nervous at that point. Yeah, yeah. after it, having seen some kind of it, it, in there, it could be. You know, we had been we we moved the stand at like eleven in the morning, and then got in at like twelve thirty, and we'd been sitting there for four hours or five hours. You know, 
And yeah. we had seen other deer. So we, maybe had, we had seen other deer move through there. Come. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It just was a weird, and I could, I could, I couldn't help but you know. And again, go back to the the fact that in the you know that morning and the day before, I had bucks bumping does around on camera in that food plot. All right, picture this: it's a frosty November morning. You're 20 foot up in a lock on, and you got a big buck running a doe by your stand. I know many places in the country you don't get a chance to see things like that, but here in Kansas, you do. Hi, this is Matt Wanzer with 180 Outdoors. We've been guiding hunts in Kansas and Oklahoma since 2006 and selling real estate for the last eight. We do a lot of land leasing and property management. We could set up tree stands, plant food plots, just about anything that you would need to take care of your farm. So whether you own a piece here, you lease a piece here, or you're looking to do either, we can help you get set up with that. But did you know that we also own a real estate brokerage? It's L2 Realty Inc. That stands for Land and Lifestyle Properties. We do a lot with hobby farms, but we also specialize in hunting properties. And with those hunting properties, you'll run into the opportunity to earn with tillable ground, livestock grazing, uh, mineral rights, and hay. So if you want a safe place to put your money and an opportunity to hunt big Kansas whitetails, check us out on YouTube catch the YL2 video, www.l2realtyinc.com, or of course on any of your major social media platforms, Instagram or Facebook. Look us up. Hey, we're a hard charging company and we're looking to grow. If you've ever thought about a career in real estate and living the outdoor lifestyle, then we'd like to talk to you about how our team can support you and grow your career. If you want to learn more about us, check us out on YouTube at L2 Realty Inc., Facebook, Instagram, or at our website, l2realtyinc.com. Hi, it's Brian Chamberlain with the Chamberlain Lending Team at Movement Mortgage. Before I get into telling you how fantastic we are, there's a couple things that I need to cover to keep myself out of trouble. Movement Mortgage is an equal housing lender, license number 39179, and my personal loan officer license number is 114586. Now let's get to it. For the last 23 years, we've built a team with the people in place and the processes in place to get you to the closing table smoothly and on time. Whether it's a purchase, a rate and term refinance, a cash out refinance, or a renovation loan, the Chamberlain Lending Team is here to get you through that process, closed on time, with great communication and great service. I'm available seven days a week at 504-228-3780. And you can always reach the team at Chamberlain Team at Movement.com. Good luck this season. I hope you guys knock them down, and hopefully we'll hear from you soon. And yeah. I, I just couldn't help but think, like, the way she acted, she didn't, I don't know how to explain this, but she didn't act like a doe that walks out in the food plot and thinks there's a person there. She acted differently, but nevertheless, very much on edge. Yeah, and it was very yeah. strange, and I kept wondering, like, is that buck going to come out behind her? Is she, you know, or come from another direction or, or something? Because she was just so, I, I don't know, I just, I wondered. But it's interesting you said that, you know, how differently they act when they are actually locked down, like where you can actually see them together. So, Yeah, that by that point, they're usually, it's either like, I don't know if it's that they give up or if it's that they're like, all right, you know, I'm ready to breed. But they're usually pretty calm and like, wanting to be with the buck almost yeah i got you are y'all still employing the minivan strategy oh dude you can't yeah you say what you want you cannot <laughs> nothing you tops a minivan for a hunting rig whenever you're walking like so 
you know the feeling whenever you walk like three miles somewhere thinking you're going to go to an awesome spot you get there it's terrible and you you don't see anything you're walking back uh, you <laughs> pop those you press that baby. button and oh you watch the doors open <laughs> the back Dude. opens the sides roll open i mean yeah you like, pop both side doors no and feeling. the hatch there like your bows no you're like already it. going to put your bow in it it's nice there's no fiddling I think and just uh, capacity. I mean, you got room for your buddies, your kitty cats, whatever you got with you, your bow, all kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's nice, dude. There's no there's no substitute. And if you run into mud or anything like that, you just go fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think uh, I think Brian's fun. been been renting minivans for his uh hunting he, trips. He, he I mean, rent, dude, he I drive a minivan. I've been driving them like my, I bought my wife a new car and I'm like, I'll drive your minivan for a while. So I figure out what I'm gonna do. I've had it for two years. It's the greatest car I've ever had. <laughs> I've had turkeys in it, deer. I mean, it's, it's the rig to hunt with. Uh-huh. I got a trail, a little bumper pull. So I pull my trailer with my golf cart, friggin' silent. You, you can't top it. So the, uh, the Chrysler Pacifica is the one that you're going to get stuck with. Yeah, they're pretty popular these days. There's a rental for most time. They have this, uh, well, not if you get one of the ones that we've been in, but they have this felt (laughs) thing on the bottom. Yeah, they don't have they don't have them when we're done with them. Yeah, we end up cutting that off every time because you (laughs) you end up like hitting. Yeah, so Chrysler Pacifica and and it rips and it drags the ground and you got to hear it the whole time. So like we're always cutting shit off the bottom. They line the bottom of the new Pacificas with carpet. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Did they do that for road noise or something? I guess I I guess so. It doesn't take road noise. It's just you don't have a lot of ground clearance. So like even if you're on a gravel road with like a very minor hump in the center. (laughs) <laughs> that carpet's starting to peel back. You know, you got to get your knife out, keep a sharp knife in the door, and you're good to go. Like, every other day, we're trying to find something to drive up on so we can get under there and cut another piece off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... But we drove... I mean, I'll just say this. We drove five people to Kansas with all our hunting gear, and we all had a seat. So, you take whatever car you Nothing want. Nothing on the roof. You you take whatever car you want. I'm taking the minivan. No, I I believe you. I, I'm I'm. Y'all thought about uh, out like a van. Yeah, like a. So like a I actually I lived in a Sprinter van for like six or seven months, and it was it was cool, but uh, and things are expensive. I don't I don't know about owning a vehicle, but it would be awesome if if money's yeah. one day. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess too. I mean, you'd rather just you know rip the felt off somebody else's vehicle, you know. Yeah, if you're doing an out of state trip, yeah, don't, and don't take your own vehicle yeah, to no. Kansas. Yeah, if you're, not a... if you're gonna drive more than three hundred miles, because we drive a lot when they're there, so we end up putting three to five thousand miles on these cars. You know, we got five guys, so we actually and we rented a second car when we got into Kansas, so we have two cars, and it was. Two hundred and about two hundred and fifty dollars per person. You're you're putting more wear on your car if you and we're talking like gravel roads, sixty mile an hour. Like you're tearing your shit up. I, I mean, because Warren called me, he was like, "Hey, should I take my truck?" I'm like, "Yeah, if you want." And he starts calculating. He's like, "Yeah, nah, I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> the rental car. I mean, they all have unlimited miles now. So like, and the minivans are one of the cheaper options. 
It's you know, it's whatever thirty yeah. dollars yeah. a day or something. I it's, feel like that's a hack that's about to go away. Like they're going to. It's got to. They're going to catch. Yeah, it's like we're. They do not have us included in their calculations for sure when they figure out their pricing and all that stuff. What are all these Louisiana people coming up here deer hunting by getting well, we, we, we tried to rent a minivan up there one time and oh, they were yeah, like, didn't what, are you, what are you uh, going to use it for? We're like, oh, maybe just a little bit of hunting. They're like, nope, sorry, bud. Yeah, <laughs> not, we did, we did get it. turned down once. Yeah, I, I, I had to rent a car on my last trip up there and and it was a a, a Volkswagen Tiguan mini uh, mid-size go. SUV, and it was brand new. It had seven miles on it. Oh, dude, I freaking wore that thing out for three days. Tell I mean, me that's wait, not a great feeling. Wait, we had one of those. The Volkswagen, we were putting oil in it every day because yeah. we busted the oil pan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't confirm or deny, but, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want me renting cars from people to go on. We put a we had to put a quarter two every day in that thing. The Volkswagen, it's and it wasn't a minivan. That was the problem. The first time we ever went was a Ford Edge. We drive from Baton Rouge to Kansas to the first spot, and we literally we get we're getting closer to the spot. It's muddy as shit. I'm like, dude, we're going over ridges. Every ridge is more muddy. I'm like, should we stop on this one? Warren goes nah, down to the bottom. No, we literally not. skid to a stop. We're stuck. We just get out. It's like 10 minutes from daylight. We've just been driving 14 hours. We get out, leave it stuck, and go walk in and start hunting. And we put, we got out. It had wind blew on it. We pushed it out. It was dry enough. No big deal. That's a good, that's a good uh, Kansas tip. If you get stuck, just wait a couple wait. hours. You just let the yeah, wind blow on fast. it for five or yeah. six hours, and you yeah. just drive out. It does dry really, really fast, all, all of that stuff up there. Well, yeah. so so do you guys? Uh, I mean, you mentioned you went to Kentucky. Are there other states that you're venturing off to, or? Yeah, we've hunted Kentucky, Kansas, Nebraska, Mississippi, obviously, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. I think we're going to do Tennessee next year. Yeah, uh, so far we've definitely hunted those those three: Kansas, Nebraska. Um, is are we, am I missing anything? It's hard to remember sometimes. No, I kind of wanted to hunt Florida for a little while. It seems like way too hard. I, well, <laughs> like uh, that was my, my next fun. my next question was, you you have your your you know you kind of have your your system down for how you hunt in this open country in Kansas. And aside from the different times of the season, I know if you you know for example if you go on an early season hunt or whatnot, you're not finding lockdown deer. But how 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 many different tactics do you do you use and how do you change like so let's just say you you do go to tennessee are you looking for open country to do the same thing or what what is your next go-to i am strategy? but it usually screws me <laughs> so uh i would be hunting similar to how we here go walk really far from the parking area look for look for the best sign and the thickest piece of something and get on the edge of it the, the one thing that doesn't change is that we're always covering a lot of ground and trying to scout as efficiently and as fast as we possibly can. We use any tactic like early season. You got some guys that go do it in the bean fields and spot them bed in the bean. I've never seen that happen. I'm not saying, I mean, obviously it happens, but we haven't been able to do it. early season. We're hunting, we're hunting bucks that aren't moving much. We're trying to find a fresh track near food and bedding and water and all that stuff. And we're trying to slip in on them and set up in a tree, but we're moving properties until we find like, yeah, Kentucky, we move, 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 move. And then we find, we found a particular WMA that 
was loaded with bucks and then we haunt the shit out of it. We averaged 10 miles a day on foot in Kentucky. Yeah, early season, on a week-long early season trip, we usually walk 50 to 70 miles. From daylight, day you, walk, you walk from daylight till dark with the driving in between because we cover as many properties as we can. And whenever you're getting to where like, oh, it's almost too late to go get in a tree, that's mm -hmm. when you go get in a tree. And the walking is proportional to how open the cover is. Early season, the crops are in. So like, even if you're in open country, it's still not open. They, they bed in the crops. So early season, we're walking a lot more. If you're in open country during the rut, I mean, I'm, I'm vehicle 70% of the time until I find a deer that I want to kill. It's more than that. Yeah. Probably more, more than 70% in the car. Probably more. When but, there's no but, trees. But yeah, it's, that's the best way I can describe it is that it's proportional to how open the cover is, you know, yeah. car versus walking so walk me through when you, you when you say you know we're scouting as fast as possible so walk me through what that looks like you know what are so, you looking at looking for how do you feel like like i guess say say this from from start to finish what gets you to the finish line where you say okay i've seen everything i need to see i know what i need to know on to the next one so well we'll, we'll go back further for the start we start while we're laying in our cots because we're looking at our phones trying to figure out we're trying to pick a group of properties that are close together to see the biggest area that we can cover in the shortest amount of time yeah we're not driving an hour between pieces of public so you start usually usually we start just before daylight we'll get somewhere good for glassing try to see deer coming off of feed somewhere and then we start just hitting it we, we've dropped all our pins the night before. So we're going to everything that looks like bedding. Every, uh, every advantageous creek bend. Yeah. It's all, you also need to be able to blowing. see signs. So like it needs, there needs to be food bedding. There needs to be somewhere where you can see sign, especially if it's so dry this year. Like you go walk around on a dry field all day. You ain't going to find shit. So you're checking creeks, you're checking field edges. If it's wet enough for that to work. Um, and you're like Warren saying, we're, we're dropping pins the day before we have ideas of where we want to go and spots we want to see. And that's just based on map scouting. There's a million, you know, you got to learn how to map scout obviously, but we're just running through, we're literally running through that stuff. And it's, it's intuition as well. Like if you get into a spot and you're not really seeing sign and you had a pin that's a mile further, but if you feel like it's shit, sometimes that's enough and we say screw this and we get back to the car and go to the next spot yeah a lot of it is deciding to uh cut cut out stuff that look good fast yeah or like we'll see a buck and he looks not very easy to kill we we gotta yeah. leave or if we see like somebody else is, has seen the buck and he's clearly hunting and we're if leave. you would be watching and see some of the decisions, you'd be like, that's stupid. But, like, you, you have to use your instincts. So, yeah, same thing. Like, how killable is the buck? If you find some good sign, you know, look at your map and figure out where you think that buck's living. Is that a high odds scenario? If it's not, like, know that there are deer at the next. Like, don't get too attached to one particular spot. Go until you find a dumb buck. And a and lot of early season, a lot of the, uh, a lot of where my pins go anyway, or where if you have a U shape in a creek and the wind is blowing into yeah, that, creek like a funnel, great. there's 
not I mean not not necessarily here, but where there's low pressure, there's almost always a buck going to be bedding there. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what plagued us in Kentucky is they were they were they had the advantage too good to where they were. Yeah, they were there. We found them, but we couldn't like piles of get bucks. them. There was bucks everywhere, but they they we had an east wind most of the time, and they were on these sloughs and ridges where you get swirls and all kinds. It was of exactly shit. like you would expect on the bed with the wind blowing straight down the the ridge and the slough to the point. They were bedded on the point, and the wind was just parallel. You couldn't. I got close to a couple of them, and ended up busting them walking in like I, I got 15 yards from the buck i was trying to one of the bucks i was trying to kill i yeah. think it was the one that yeah that we found his shed but they that's we always early season we always jump in bucks on those creek points that has a, a really good wind advantage but but a thing that that's really important is just don't sell like there's there's not a, that much of a science to scouting. Like you'll learn if you just get out there and do it. People have all kind of techniques, and that's all great. But like, start doing it. Look at the map, pick spots, go look. You'll learn. But but don't get hung up. Like y you need to have very high requirements to start hunting a spot. You either need to see a buck that you want to kill, or you need to see some very fresh, very big tracks in a spot that you think he's living during the daylight. If I don't see those two things, and obviously seeing the buck is I, is what I'm really trying to find, but I'm I'm every year I move more and more towards I ain't hunting until I find where I think I can kill one. Well, that's that's what I was going to ask. Like, what if is it something where like the whole first day just scouting and trying to cover as much as you can, even if we you find something time, that looks good, the whole time scouting until you find somewhere to hunt. So if you Based found something two hours in or whatever, you might just go ahead and set up on it, or do you do you just keep going yeah. and just mark that? Say, hey, we'll yeah. Come so can so Kansas, for example, I had marked some pins on a little lake that was like literally nine hundred yards from our motel, and the Mountain reason I like trails all over. The it. reason I marked is because one of those state parks. It's tiny. It's right in town, right on the highway. There was CRP, like the the lake dam was real high. And on the back side of the dam, it tailed off into like a little small patch of timber and a bunch of CRP. I'm like, there's going to be a buck locked down with a doe in that CRP sometime while we're on this trip. So the first evening, we scouted all day. I didn't find anything that I loved. I went in there, got in the lake, walked down the lake bed, came up over the levee, sat down, in the of course, crawling and being careful, you know, because I'm skyline. This is probably an hour before dark sit down in that grass on the backside of the levee, pick my binos up to look down into that bottom, and here comes a cage coming out, and it's the buck I ended up killing two days later. And there was some giants in there with him that I had some very close, stressful calls with the next morning. But uh, it happened to be the first spot I checked. I mean, it's obviously most of the time that doesn't happen, but if I'd have gone in there and not seen anything, I would have said, okay, I might drive by this place midday throughout the trip, but I'm not going to... I'm not spending more than five minutes here ever again and, if I don't see deer in there. And there's there's pretty much no setting up if it's before like an hour or two before dark. Like we're we're gonna keep scouting to get as much because like you're trying to pick the best spot you found all day, so you got to check all the spots yeah. to know what the best one is. If you stop at one, 
and yeah, you're right. wasting that that big window of time. Yeah, we're rarely going to set up like if we're gonna go set up for a four hour evening hunt, we would have had to found something like it's, got to be crazy. it's pretty much a visual sighting that I need to do that. Yeah, if I'm gonna sit for four hours, I need to be looking at. Now it. I might sit the last thirty minutes, half of the evenings to do a to do basically a, a um what do they call them uh, uh, observation observation sit, sit. so. <laughs> You scout all day. You check all your spots. You didn't find anything crazy awesome. You either set observation on the best one or the next one, and you watch that last 30 or 45 minutes. You try to get that high movement time advantage, and that's what I did the first day. I just got lucky, and the first spot ended up having deer in it, and then I hunted it down until I killed them. Hmm. Yeah. Are y'all, but, uh, if, but if I would not have seen a deer in there, I would have kept doing that every day, driving and walking and glassing. Mostly yeah. driving, glassing first 30 minutes and last 30 minutes until I either saw, especially during the rut. Like, during the rut, my value on sign plummets. Because, like, okay, this is great. This is fresh sign, but that buck could be four miles away breeding a doe. Like, I don't really care about sign. I, during the rut, I really need to see a deer yeah. if I'm in open country. Hunter, Hunter's complacency saves more deer than anything. People get too complacent on the yeah. one spots that they just kind of stick to, and most of the time it does not work out. Oh, hundred like percent. And it's not like it's not like we're these great hunters that oh we're going to commit to like I can't sit on a spot if I don't know there's a deer there. <laughs> it's not like it's a it's a curse. We're actually I mean, really bad at we're bad at yeah. <laughs> I mean people people can go sit all day and like if you go to Kansas and sit in a draw all day for three days you're going to kill a giant buck. Yeah. You know, almost for sure. I can't do that. Like, I need to know they're there. I sat all day, day two of this trip, but I was 40 yards from 160-inch eight point that morning at 9 a.m., and I knew they were in there. So, that, yeah, I'll sit all day when I when I know they're there. And that, that deer, that was a ridiculous eight point. That was a, there was uh, trees in there that the bottom of where they started hooking the trees was at my nipple. He was the biggest eight point I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. I had him at 40 crazy. yards and I was crawling in the damn grass when there was nothing there in his doe. His doe and she didn't see me, but she kind of saw something. So I'm laying there literally on my back in the grass holding my bow and I see him behind her fighting the other buck that I ended up killing at 40. And I had a 2D decoy with me, but I'm like, I'm not about to fucking pick this decoy up. They're going to blow out of here I, I don't have that much i gotta develop some confidence in that thing because i i don't you gotta have a real good scenario for that to work and that's uh that's the deer that i that i passed on this trip that i don't really regret but it, it's not the biggest deer i passed in kansas but he had a four inch drop time give or take and i i called him in uh, by shaking trees and i broke some sticks off of the tree i was in and slapped them on everything and that's how i like, killed my buck too was called within like three minutes he came in all bristled up at like seven yards and uh it was it was on that same property so i was i was waiting for the big eight point. <laughs> yeah we all knew but, it was the reason i hadn't i didn't uh fill my tag is because i didn't want to like, I, I don't want to bring a medium size. Yeah, Kansas deer, when, when you when a real mature Kansas deer walks out, you're like, holy shit, that is not a real thing. Yeah. That's what you got to wait. 
which I did not do. <laughs> yeah, Tom, I, I don't know if I would have passed your. He is he at, at eighteen yards. You can't. You it just was can't probably do it. a one. Did you measure? No, but he's like a hundred high one thirties, hundred forty inch eight, something like that. How big was the one that I passed? You saw the, I videoed him on my phone whenever I decided not to shoot. Something him. like that, but he had more points. He had it was probably like a mainframe twelve. Yeah, it was a funky looking buck. It was, it was a weird buck with the drop tines. It felt good. To, uh, I don't feel bad about passing him because it's almost like I beat him anyway. Yeah. Do you? Uh, do y'all hunt from? I mean, I know I'm in the when it's in the open country where there's no trees. You're hunting from the ground, but do y'all mostly hunt from the ground everywhere? No. Um, even in the open country, I try to find a tree. Like one. Uh, the biggest body deer I've ever killed was in the open. Yeah, the most open. open I'd been in there on the ground. There was before. a tree that there was a big cottonwood God, I think tree. It was a freaking cow, dude. There was a cottonwood tree that was like three or four feet in diameter. So I, it was a zero stick setup. I had to climb up, just whip, jimmy my way up there, and didn't have a platform. Just stood on a limb because it was right by. Um, by a water hole, but I'm always I always look for a tree. Thomas is more uh, okay well, with it's hunting just, on the and ground. It's one of your strengths. Like Warren can pinpoint where the deer are going to be. He's got he he is great at that. I'm decent at it, but if I can get on the ground with them and I know they're there, I know I can get into bow range. But you were talking about tactics earlier. We do all of them. Like the buck I ended up killing, I was on the ground with those deer for two days in a row, and the third day, basically I said, I, I could feel that I was starting to burn the place out. And the third morning I said, I'm going in there an hour before daylight. I'm going to go in the middle of the little tiny block of timber there in, and I'm going to kill, you know, I'm going to give it one more shot and kill him. And I went in and set up in the tree and killed him at seven 30, you know, grunting and thrashing bushes. He came right in. So you do whatever you got to do, whatever your strengths are, try those first. If it's not working, try something different. We, we, we don't stick to anyone. I'm always looking for the ground attack because I love that and I'm good at it. But you only, if you know it ain't going to work, don't do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Interesting. It's, uh, you guys definitely have a, uh, a, a different and unique <laughs> way of attacking. But I, I, I guess, I think, something to be said for it and i might be speaking somewhat obvious but i think generally speaking one of the things that i get from you guys and multiple conversations about your hunting style and all that is i mean you're in it for what you enjoy you know 100 percent. and 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 that's that's such a it's such a simple thing but it's to me it's very lost in general hunting culture like everybody is a copycat yep. I mean, all of us, you know, to some extent are copying something we learned from somebody else. And a lot of times I think that lends itself to not really enjoy making the most of your time, enjoying it f yep. for the most. Like whether that's shooting a big buck versus a small buck or do I shoot a doe on this hunt or do I not or, you know, uh, how uh, a lot of different decisions. And I, I, you guys seem to get a lot of just pure joy from, hey, there's, it's, it's just what we want to do. And it doesn't really matter, like it or not, whatever, and, you know. And you learn, you learn that from hunting. Like, you, you people want to sacrifice having fun because they want to kill bucks so they can be cool. And I get it. Like, I want to be cool. 
I want to I kill bucks. Cool too. I want to I went, giant buck. I went, I had a span of four or five years where I was missing and losing deer. Like you wouldn't believe Warren's over here laying down giants. I'm like, I don't want to be a bitch. I got to kill bucks, but you get to where you kill a couple and it's, it's pretty quickly that starts to not matter as much anymore. And it's like, you don't want to sacrifice having fun doing it for trying to kill something to say you killed something like hunt the way that you think is fun. Yeah. Our strategy, you'll be fine. Not, our strategy is not a strategy. We're just like, I just, we're partying. We, we love bucks so much that we can't, we can't not like, yeah. Run at them. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I'm, as long as I'm on mature deer, Obviously, I want to kill him, but like I want to be hunting a mature deer that I know is there. If I kill him, great. If not, I'm gonna hunt him the next day. So, like, in my experience, especially on public land, the only way to stay in the game is to be aggressive and move. Like, I, I don't. It's rare that we go more than three days where we don't feel like we're hunting a mature deer that's there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that yeah, would be a every, big gap. Every single hunt is there's a, now, a you don't here and you're like. Yeah, you're really nervous. You're shitting. I mean, you're from when you get in the tree until you get down. Like you're even getting down quiet. You want to feel like there. you want to be nauseous when you're walking to the tree. Exactly. And if you're not, don't go. Like go scout. I almost threw up. Probably like seven different. Dude, times. there was seven different. Kentucky was bad for me. Oh, I was yeah. like shit my pants every I time was I walked in. A couple of times in Kentucky. So, uh, but right. that's what explain I, I don't that. I need you to explain that a little bit better. So when, you, when you say nauseous, you get, it's because you're you're worried, you're concerned for oh. yeah, because I because I know there's a giant buck there, and I'm walking to him to so, shoot him with a damn arrow. I can yeah. explain exactly <laughs> the where you'll understand it. You ever and he might not a, be there, but that's what I'm confident that he's there. Yeah, if you're ever like slipping into a thicket and you see some giant hookins with sap pouring out and bark all over the ground and tracks and and. It just gets thicker and thicker. You're getting more and more into it, and your buck and senses you just are start, freaking out. Your buck senses are freaking. You start getting like scared. That scared feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I, I follow you. Know. I follow. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's and dude, it happens. Have, you've got to have that. It happens. We we were in uh, dude. We're this was in Louisiana actually. We're scouting into this place, and obviously our tactics are different here because it's so damn thick, and the deer can bed anywhere. But anyways, we're slipping down this ridge. And we're going slow. We, it had been dry and bullshit. There was no acorns. And we start seeing a couple of acorns. And it's lo- it's just looking yeah, better. Like, and we and we here. stop. And there's a little opening. And there's a big old uh, uh, nut all. And I'm like, dude, there's a buck like looking at us. There's a buck. And we're right whispering. Here. And a freaking shooter buck jumps up 14 yards from us. And we're like, God, dog. Like, you want, yeah. you got to have that feeling. And if you need to, like, run full speed through a bunch of property for four days to find somewhere that gives you that feeling – do that. Don't be so worried about bumping deer and I got to kill one. Like, know that one is there before you go. If you're not scared walking to your stand and like tiptoeing, like the quietest you've ever been, I wouldn't, I would recommend trying to find something that makes you do that. So, do you hunt uh, private land? Yeah. Yeah. Do you hunt like that on your private land? Ah, private land, man. Mm. Or, or, or not, or not. I mean, can you? Can people? Most hunt of like the private that? land hunting we do is like 
we got a weekend that the weather sucks. Let's take the kids. It, it, it definitely, definitely handcuffs that technique. I mean, if you got, I mean, we, we grew up hunting a hunting club that's, that's 1500 acres. Now there's a bunch of members, but even that, like it's, it's got you being more careful and doing the, I get it. I mean, yeah, you got a yeah. chance to shoot him next week. If you've got a private piece of property that lays out good and you can do that. Great. Do it. But I totally understand that private land is a different game. If you've got a 30 acre piece of property with one place that deer move through it in the daylight. Yeah. You can't do what we're talking about. Um, bigger pieces. Yeah. And like the turkeys, you can definitely like, you can be way more aggressive with turkeys than people think, but deer, you need some, Public land has bred into us the way we grew up hunting private land. We didn't hunt public land until 2016 was the first year we ever did it. And within four days, Warren had 164 inch nine point on the ground. Like that made us realize, damn, I like this. Like we <laughs> yeah. can go, we can There's go through these properties and go to the next one. Like who cares if we blow it out that we blew that deer out the day before. Sometimes it doesn't even matter if you blow them out. You still kill their ass. And if you go where they're dumb, I mean, yeah, but yeah, private land is a different game, and we totally understand that. You got to look at your property if if it's big enough to get away with it. Try to do some of that stuff, but on a smaller scale. The private land. I got a little uh, club that I hunt in Central too for the past couple of years. It's just so hard to uh, go hunt on the private land because I'm so excited to go scout. Yeah, on it's the, the public it, land. It's the event, dude. I can't kill deer on private. Like all these people are saying, oh, public land. Like I don't. I'm not. I don't. My style does not match. I've seen zero deer because you hunt. You gotta have that confidence. You gotta feel like the buck's there, and it's harder for me to be in that mindset. If you're not hunting super, super confident, your odds are down. Like even if the buck's there, if if you're not super confident, your odds like plummet. Like you gotta, you gotta think the buck's there. You can be wrong, and you will be wrong most of the time. But you gotta think he's there, or don't go hunting. Like, why are you hunting if you don't think there's something you want to kill there? Yeah. Yeah. Then you're just sitting in the tree, and I, I don't, I can't do that. I get restless. Spotting stalking is way more fun than hunting out of a tree stand, too. Oh my gosh, dude! Way that, more exciting. That's why we go to the open stuff because it's the only place i've found and man we did a lot of bouncing around for seven years trying to find where you could i didn't kill the first deer on the ground in kansas till last year i mean it ain't easy like but yep. god that was worth every mile every minute of driving every you, buck that we busted once you get to where you know it's possible and if you just commit to it you will run into You'll get a you'll get an opportunity in a one week long trip. You'll get at least one opportunity. But if you don't, if you have an experience that it's possible, you're not going to do the right things to get that opportunity. If you think it's not possible in your head, it ain't going to happen. You're not going to be, you know, oh, I got to go sit. I got to go sit, and I get that. But you got to know it's possible for the opportunity pre to present itself. That's why we love that stuff, man. It's just a to it's the opposite of hunting in the south, you know. I think it's more important to not care if you bust the deer out. Yeah. We, you got to bust like nine bucks. Yeah. Nine to one you, to get one, one that you kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever say, especially stalking, man. Like it's tough. Like 
you watch videos of people doing, oh, there's the buck. Here he's it. We're going to take this route right here. The wind's blowing in our face, and we're going to shoot him. And then, like, it works. That ain't what happens to us. It I mean, never <laughs> worked like that. Dude, it, it never worked. It works, but it works sometimes. The wind's switching. Yeah. The, I mean, it's – but it's but in hindsight, you're always like – Should have done this. There is a way you could have done it that would have saw that you would have got him, you know. So it's it keeps you hanging on. You know, but, uh, if what happens, what do you do if uh, you're out in the in the Midwest in the open country? Let's just say you're trying to hunt from the ground, and like the forecast, the wind forecast is like nothing, no wind. I mean, you you just I'm assuming it's a hell of a lot harder. I'll still do it, but I'm crazy. Like I would not recommend some of the stalks. So like I shot my buck, and he and he went, and this was a very still morning. And uh, I've had some bad luck with deer surviving, like, even shots that, like, aren't terrible. So he went and he disappeared, but I knew where he laid down. I took my shoes off and, took, I mean, it took me an hour, but I stalked 70 yards up to him, perfectly silent, killed him, shot him again. But, like, I would never tell somebody else to do that, like, unless I know that they're very, very good at the, stalking. Yeah. That, like, a no-win day doesn't really – that's not – part of the plan because we find the buck first and then like we'll check the wind whenever we're about to go try to kill him it just is what it is yeah like, if there's no wind okay we're still like that's just what it is whenever you check it but like, I, I would say to try to kill the deer yeah it's very low odds that i would if i spotted a lockdown buck there's very low odds that i would say oh we can't go after him the wind's too still there's i no, guess i'll put it that way there's that's, almost no situation where yeah, i don't say we're not we're just gonna not. No, I mean I'm not claiming I would go in there and kill him. I'd probably screw it up, but I'm gonna try. I mean, especially when they're locked down, like you bump them, dude. They go into the next draw. Like, I guess it was two years ago. We went first spot. We parked the minivan. I'm like, this look. There's gonna be deer in here. We walk in, small eight point. He goes over the ridge. We haul ass get over the ridge and look, and there's a freaking 160 inch ten point. Ten minutes out the minivan at 40 yards. Well, he gets our wind before we can draw runs chase the deer well we find them 40 minutes later they look at your map and where would you go if you were a buck and we bedded him down and had a stalk opportunity the doe ended up busting us this was a freaking magnum dude now this we were a little early this year we want the one that i'm thinking of that we busted that we had the good setup on we got pretty close to we chased him whenever he ran we also we also ran probably like a mile and a half Which i one? guess the one that we were across this the trip, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we chased him and uh, did not find him again. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was. He spooked really bad. Yeah, but there was some good cover in there. They were they were there. You you don't always find them again. But what I'm saying is, is you can like just because you bust them doesn't mean they're you know you're done. But at the same point, if you go over and look for them and you don't find them, I ain't spending any more time with that deer. Yeah, you know, I'm leaving. Yeah, we leave. Blew it. What do you What are you gonna do? Our you know? leaving is a big a big uh, part of the strategy. So it's like, hey, let's leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you we right. love that. So obviously, you kind of hinted at even even in the open country, even in the obvious situations, the deer are still able to hide from you. You know, they're 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 able to to still kind of disappear, even though you know they're probably oh, dude, there. So it's unbelievable. With that being said, though. Given all the times you are able to assess the, the situation that you're in, and you have the open, the open lack of cover at your advantage, 
Have you ever sat back and, and looked at that and compared it? Like, if I could, are you learning anything about how these deer use that and what that might translate to if this was more wooded? Or do you think they act totally different in a wooded pattern? No, I, I, me personally, I've learned a lot watching them in the open country. Just, just about how deer move and they don't, you think deer disappear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't. We, we, I've, I've learned a lot about that. Like the deer are in the area, because in the open country, they're more primed to run six miles because there's not, there's not cover and there's not food everywhere. So here, like these deer on this public land in this thick timber in the South, and you got hunters everywhere. You're like, how are people not killing them? They're living in, and they're watching the fucking people walk by. And if you do bust them, one hundred percent. If you do bust them, they make a damn three hundred yard circle, and they wait for you to leave, and they go back in there. I mean, not all the time, but that's what's happening a lot yeah. of the time. <laughs> pick, yep. pick any piece of public. If if you bust, I still can't buck, kill them, but that's what they're doing. Yeah, any piece of public around here. If they if you bust a buck and he ran a mile, he's dead. Yeah. They can't move. He got he got busted forty five minutes before you busted him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean seriously, y'all been to the parking lot before? It's crazy. Yeah, you find a spot. You know they they're out there. What it what is it in they, your, what is it in your opinion that makes us? I say us loosely, us generally as hunters in general. Like what makes us avoid that logic? What makes us, you know, kind of in a in a in a in a fantasy kind of way, we just imagine that they disappear. Well, shit, no, they didn't just disappear. But we, you know, well, it's natural when you can't when you can't see him anymore. You yeah. think he's gone because he was still running fast whenever he got out of sight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's easy to find them. I'm just saying that's what I've learned in the open country. They're there. It you might not be able to find them, and that's fine. I'm not saying I can. I'm great at finding deer, but they're they ain't leaving. They're just freaking good. I mean, it, in Louisiana, there's a patch of brush every 10 yards that you would never see them. You could walk on top of them and not see them. When you go out to western Kansas and there's not one tree and all there is is two and a half foot tall grass and you watch a piece of property for the last two hours of daylight and 15 minutes before daylight, deer start popping out of everywhere and you think, what the hell Where is going on deer? here? Where were they? Yeah. They don't need... Dude, and then you come, you drive back home, and you go, "How the hell am I ever going to kill a deer here?" It's just like yeah. unbelievable. They don't need to leave. They can live in a freaking two-acre spot, and you'd never. It, I've, you know, you'll. Kill. I've never hunted in in the western part of Kansas where it's that open, but I've hunted some pretty open ground in eastern Kansas where it's the same thing. And you're looking at one mm-hmm. hedgerow that, you know. To, to just look at it, you think, eh, there might be a deer bedded on there somewhere. And then it's an hour before dark and 50 deer come out of that hedgerow. Yeah. It's like, how in the You're hell? Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, how does that I'll happen? Give you, I'll give you a good one from this trip. My uh, my buddy Mark was with us, and he he ended up finding this little piece in a little marsh property. There was timber everywhere. This is in Kansas, but it was a little small piece, isolated piece, bunch of timber. And uh, he ends up finding this huge buck. I don't know if anybody watched the story. It was there was a big, super thick neck ten point that he posted a picture of on our story. And uh, he saw this buck in the morning. He, it didn't come close enough, and it went. So I went and met him midday, and we went in, and he told me where everything was at. This these deer were bedding where a fence 
where two property lines came together, a fence and then the property line. The west side was private alfalfa field, and and then there was a draw in the middle of it that was like real thick CRP that came out into the public. He was hunting on the public side in the deeper part of the draw. Well, he he takes me in there, and he's like, yeah, the buck went right in there. And he just went, bro, and the, the, the deer was with a doe, like breeding a doe. So I'm like, well, at 9 a.m., some other uh, bird hunters or something came in there. They walked down the draw shooting and doing whatever. I mean, not 45 yards from where he last saw the buck. I'm like, dude, that's up to you. You can go on somewhere else, but those deer are probably sitting right there right now. You know, we're whispering, and we grunted a little bit and scraped just in case he'd come running out of there. He didn't. But he went, sat back up in there in the evening. That buck came right out of there. Hunters all around him, all kind. And this is not super thick stuff. Like they, they can hide, dude. It's like that's their whole life. They live there. You, you yep. like imagine living on public land. You think you're not hearing people walk by you almost every single day? You, you are. I mean, they, they have they to, to be able to do that. They do it on private too. Yeah. <laughs> And you That's, you see when you jump them at freaking six yards and they scare the shit out like they'll let you walk by if you if you don't get too close. We uh <laughs> I saw a deer bedded on our property. Uh, one time we were driving like across this big pipe crossing. There's a big huge ditch right here, and there was a briar thicket, literally ten or fifteen yards off the road. We mm-hmm. just happened to look over and there was a ten point. You can see his rack sticking up out of the briars. Yep. And we stopped, and he just – oh, you just saw his rack just sink down into the briar thing. He never ran out, just kind of creeped back down in there. <laughs> yeah. just sat we, there. We've had that happen awesome. before. Uh, I love that shit, dude. We were hunting a, a duck conservation area in Kansas one time. It was all tall marsh grass, and we this spotted was a, a buck in out western there. Kansas? Uh, oh, I forget. It was, this spot, I was – the RV trip? No, no. This oh, okay. was like five years ago. The deer was – we spotted a good buck. And we're in the van. Oh, when, so, he, ju- when he jumped into the hole. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Gonna, it's all flat ground with like four foot tall marsh grass. We see this buck and we're like parallel. We're going to cut him like, off. Yeah, we're going to cut him <laughs> off. And the deer is running. You got to get in front of him. The deer is running full speed and he just disappears. He like just he's running down. and then on one of his runs, he just keeps going down into the grass and it's just gone dude and he 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 probably knew there was a little divot there or something and he just laid down that was not his first minivan no for sure (laughs) they they play they run circles around people and we and as soon as that happened we left yeah we were like fuck this buck he's way too smart for us we're out of here that ain't one of them stupid ones, huh? Yeah, no, we need the really dumb we ones. Dumb, we need them dumb bucks. <laughs> you know when you see them, too. That's why I love them. Yeah, they... <laughs> like, they that, that's the buck I killed this year. Like, he came out of the bottom. I'm like, this buck is killable. He's like, stupid. Just stupid enough. Yeah, this is my kind of guy right here. <laughs> well, guys, <laughs> it's... <laughs> you. Um, it's, it's good to catch up with you and kind of see that you have not changed one bit um that's right have you have you applied to do any more survival shows clothes or otherwise we didn't apply for the first one no they they <laughs> wanted they've asked both of us since to go do the xl thing which is 40 days which would be awesome but i mean we have kids that you can't leave for 40 like your kids are bigger yeah they'll they'll look different when we yeah, get back you can't do that they uh yeah. 
they asked me to go to uh, Brazil, and you actually have to be gone for closer to 60 days. Yeah. We might do something on our own one day here soon where we do our own little, like, buck survival. So if uh, yeah. Louisiana bow hunters is trying to do a collab, we might go. We can wear clothes or not. Whatever you prefer. Lock, maybe, <laughs> well, whatever you're into, you, Lock. You, you kind of need to ask Colin that question. That's, that's kind of his, more his cup of tea. Well, the, the producers, like, emailed us, like, look, if you want to come film us shoot bucks for two weeks naked yeah. with nothing but a bow, Come on down here, but we ain't. I, I don't got time to go back over there and do all that shit for three. <laughs> it's like you already know you can do it, so like it's awesome. But I got shit going on. Yeah, yeah like that. That is a big part of it. Like we, yeah, we we watched the show before back in in the past, and whenever they asked us to do it, we we're like, yeah, we'll go to, just to see, and it was fine. Like it, it was the most fun you could ever have. So like. Yeah, hunting. you don't have to prove anything. Like, hunting is great. Clothes or no clothes, yeah. It's awesome. If you go somewhere you and you hunt all day, every day, like it's you're sweet. gonna have fun and <laughs> you're gonna make it 21 days. You, if they let you stay 31, you would stay 31. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unlike them hunting vacations, huh? Yeah. Yes. Paid for. You should hunt. Well, for if sure. they invite you to Africa, like that's prime hunting. It was. Dude, we were hunting a high fence reserve. Like it was crazy. <laughs> It's so dumb that they let people do that. <laughs> the only thing you were missing was your minivan. Really? <laughs> oh, dude, if we could have covered ground, we'd have got on some kudu that, like, some giants. Oh, the sable. The sa They wouldn't let us shoot the sable. Oh, yeah. Because they were the, too expensive. Yeah, I got the... Mm -mm. Oh, they, the, the show had to pay for whatever you shot? No, but the sables had, uh, they were like extra special. No, the comment they made to me, so one of the, the sables, like this big jet black, it's kind of like the size of a kudu, but it's got the horns that go back. And they had a couple coming down to the water hole. I got a longbow, and I look at the, the freaking cameraman <laughs> to the side, and I'm like, hey, I'm about to, you know, give him the look. I'm about to stick this thing. And he's like, you got, I don't forget what he said, a million, like a million dollars or something. Dollars. And I was like, okay, cool, never mind. So maybe they were, but basically it was like, yeah, you can only shoot certain like on not super desirable animals. So what if but you but if whatever. what if you hadn't eaten in like ten days and it was yeah. the first opportunity yeah. to like actually survive? Oh, yeah, what you if you sucked at hunting? You don't need to eat. That's also yeah, like we were. We that's were kinda, a trick. We were kind of like almost purposely trying to do like a fast to have on the way out. Like a, yeah, like on the way out so we could have a vision quest or something. We it didn't we Yeah, didn't. we ate, we ate almost nothing the first 10 days and you're perfectly fine. I didn't know that before I went, but you don't have to eat. You actually food. feel better. Whenever you we were eating little birds and stuff too. We like, ate we we ate four Tweety birds each. <laughs> I mean, like they were probably 11 calories. Yeah. It didn't count. They were great, but they were delicious. How would you kill when them? You start uh but yeah, with the bow. I was, I was they would flock. The they would flock. So, like, we had occasional doubles. I shot nine birds total with that bow Yeah, out there. But you start, uh, whenever you don't eat for multiple days, you start getting really, really good at The hunting. sunrise is badass. You're way better at hunting. Yeah. yeah. You almost have a vision. We, we almost had a vision quest, but not quite. I we did. I, I stood up one time one morning at, like, 8 a.m. And, like, like, whoa, it was cool. Oh, <laughs> so... <laughs> I think yeah. we, so we, we would go back if it was like a buck themed deal. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like Africa's sweet, but they still don't have bucks. Like 
whitetail's the deal, man. I mean, yeah, naked and afraid in 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 uh, north central Kansas. Well, oh, they did. Oh, you know, yeah. next year we need to do that. When you take the camera up there and film them, yeah, they what did a naked and afraid in the Atchafalaya Basin, awesome. didn't they? They've done a bunch of them. That they, I think they did one in the Atchafalaya, and they 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 ate water moccasins or some shit like that. I don't mind eating a water box, but I definitely don't want to sleep in the Chaffalaya Basin naked, so they no. can have that one. No, that's yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't work. All right, guys. Well, we're running on time. We appreciate you joining the podcast and kind of catching up with us. Always a good time. Yep. And if uh, if you have any more adventures this year, we wish you luck. Share it with us. Maybe we'll collab on some kind of crazy ass something one day. Let's do it. <laughs> I can think of somebody yeah. I would love to join their crew. Lot. <laughs> I can too. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother! He's got he's got the spirit. Well, I can see it. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I can. Uh, we we definitely have a few characters that could could play a, a definite role in in something like this <laughs> that we're hinting at. So it would be fun. Um, remind you guys about the giveaway. You want to win a new bow, fully decked out, ready to go for Christmas? Buy a Louisiana bow hunter hat. Online, LouisianaBowHunter.com. Every online purchase and gets you an entry into the drawing for December the 16th. And wish you all good luck navigating the Orange Army that's invaded our woods. And for, for you guys that are still out there bow hunting and uh, and whatnot, we wish you the best. The best time of the year is here. We're starting to get the, the finally get the cold weather and the rut's going to start happening throughout the state in different places in the coming weeks. So hunt safe and we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week.